The darker the night, the brighter the stars Everything's fun to a young heart When you find out what your heart used to be It's gonna feel like you've been dreaming Love if you want the truth, anything's possible you can walk up on the moon Or you can watch it roll It's never in the stars It's in your heart Yeah, you'll be kicked around But get up anyway And you'll be broken into better shape Broken into better shape I was one more mistake for me this is Pastor Glenn Thomas of St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Early as the COVID-19 pandemic began to make its way around the world, I endeavored to write down some reflections on the meaning of this moment and what we might take from it. Been adding new material for several months now, including some thoughts on the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter protests as well. You can read these essays on my blog, Plains Words, plainswords.blogspot.com. If you have thoughts or comments about these words, use the blog to post your reply or send me an email at gthomas at smlutheran.com. Theme, community. Thing one, the problem of me. The truth was always there in the word. This is not about me, except that I keep making it about me. It is most visible in the way that we distort theology. Luther said that the two most important words in the institution of Holy Communion are for you. But we have twisted it to make ourselves the subject of the sentence and not the object. The common Christian creed, Jesus died for my sake, is not given to build up my ego. As humans are gifted to do, we have converted the love of God for the whole cosmos to our own personal spiritual nest egg. Get it? Personal? Behold the mantra of Americanized Christianity. Jesus is my personal Savior my choice. Jesus exists because I believe he does. Jesus matters because I say he does. I determine the extent and the depth of our relationship. He answers when I call, but otherwise keeps out of sight. I may subject myself to a particular teaching or praxis in the same way I choose Coca-Cola over Pepsi. I am perfectly loyal until something better comes along. But in all things, I am the consumer, the chooser, the subject of faith. No one can tell me what to do. Because I have free will. I make choices every day about everything, 
including faith. Reinforced by consumer culture, free will is the great canon of modernity. I choose, therefore I am, to paraphrase the foundational philosophy of the age. If it is so in my head, if it is so in my experience, then it must be so in all things. We determine who we are and how we are to be. Who would want it any different? It does seem reasonable. Our days are filled with choices, large and small. It is what we do most, if not best. Religion demands choices, too, a constant examination of deeds and awareness of what is good and what is not, and a never-ending navigation between the two. We choose to go to church or not, to pray or not, to observe the appointed rites and days or not. We choose what words to say, how to spend our time and energy, what cause to support, how to treat one another. Choices seem to be a good thing. They lend order to the world and purpose to our lives. Except not all choices are the same. Choices, like all things human, have limits. They reside within the reach and scope of our own being and no more. We want to believe that our choices have consequence, even eternal consequence, not just for the moment or for the foreseeable future, but for all time. We walk through life certain of our ability to manipulate others, to influence history, and in the end sway the very mind of God. He is the great heavenly bookkeeper, after all, noting our good works and keeping track of our falls. So by definition, he is at the mercy of what we choose to do. He may be the God of all things, but I have free will. In other words, he is the God of nothing. Free will is the self-indulgence that corrupts faith. Luther's great debate with the budding humanism of his day remains a primary challenge for the faith community of the 21st century. Our faith in free will colors all we think, believe, and do. It's not merely a doctrine that beguiles our proclamation. It is the foundation of what we believe and profess, independent of scripture or reason or effect. And that is the problem. Suddenly all of the praying and the teaching and the praising and the serving becomes a slave of one thing, me. Free will is the great conundrum of religion. We believe in a God who sets strict commandments, which are pretty much impossible to fully keep, yet is powerless to do anything except condemn his creation to eternal punishment. We believe in a Savior who sacrificed everything for us, but depends on our devotion to give his death significance and meaning. We throw around titles like Lord and King as if they were merely abstractions, indulgences. In truth, we only truly submit to masters of our own choosing, limiting their powers within the boundaries of our allegiance. Unless we acknowledge God, preferably publicly, unless we choose to proclaim God's lordship, God has no immediate consequence. God's love may be unconditional, but salvation is not. We are very glad to have Jesus as our partner in this journey we call life. But in the end, we drive the bus. God loves us. But in and of itself, grace ultimately changes nothing. And there it is. 
This is how the assumption of free will runs contrary to faith, to the core reality of what we actually believe. Jesus died for us, not merely because of us, but the gospel proclaims that his suffering, death, and resurrection does a transformative work in us and in the world. The cross is not a metaphor or an archetype to persuade us into a particular theological stance or lifestyle choice. It is an act of grace that changes everything, that changes me. Isn't that the true reason we hold on to the myth of free will? Deep down, we do not want to change. We want to believe in something. We want to be a part of something. But we are looking for a belief system and a lifestyle that affirms our own choices. We want causes that touch our own heart, requirements that fit our schedule, words that are affirming and ministry that is comforting. We believe that religion should be self-sustaining in every sense of the word. And the American Christian Church of the 21st century has embraced and embodied that idea and made it our national creed. The constant division and redivision of the church into increasingly smaller denominations was not because of theological squabbling. It was the product of millions of free wills asserting themselves over and over against anyone who dared to preach the gospel. The communion of saints has not merely been divided, it has been rejected. Now we come to a moment where the character of our faith is tested. The pandemic and our ongoing social struggle are uncovering our brokenness and now we are called to a different faith. We are not saved from the world for ourselves. We are saved from ourselves for the world. In curvatus and say, as the great reformer would say, the more we keep turning back in toward ourselves, the more desperately we cling to free will, the farther we are removed from God, Jesus, salvation, purpose. We think ourselves powerful. COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter have revealed the truth. We are not capable. We are culpable. That has to change. So why do we keep insisting on our free will? Maybe it's a control thing. Maybe it's how free will feeds our sense of ego. Despite the facade of humility we present to the world, self-love is the default mode of humanity. Or maybe it's because we love to win. Religion, like pretty much everything else in society, has become a competition. My church is bigger than your church. My righteousness is bigger than your righteousness. My soul is better than your soul. Mostly I think it's because we have disdained the demands of God on how we are actually living today, on the world we have made. We worship a God who is in charge of the world to come, not the world as it is right now. Our single-minded imprisonment of religion to matters of life after death unshackles us from any obligation to the present. Creatures of free will, we are liberated from anyone who would dare to tell us what to do or when to do it. Religion is the ultimate pyramid scheme. We are all on the lookout for the next great opportunity to procure a proper place in the hereafter. We just had to make the right choice, but everything will be fine. Except we never make that choice, do we? We establish elaborate systems to define righteousness, which are mostly about someone else, choices that do not really affect me. 
We focus morality in the narrowest of terms, usually sex, and ignore the great weight of the word that decries the lack of justice and peace in the world. We are modern incarnations of the kingdoms who persecuted the prophets, who enjoyed their wealth and comfort, and neglected widows, orphans, and strangers. What shall we make of this illusion of choice? What if the Holy Spirit is stirring in 2020, trying to tell us something about ourselves, about our choices? Perhaps if we could let go of the all-consuming desire to choose our way into God's favor, we would have the time and energy to make some choices that would actually change our world and the way we live. That could bring help and wholeness. If we actually believed in the promise of our baptism, we could stop worrying about ourselves and love our neighbor. Then we would be truly free. And what would we do then? Please join me next week for thing two. Why do we have neighbors anyway? possible. You can walk up on the moon or you can watch it roll.